I'm Aria Schwartz along with Rachel Galligan and welcome to the Windsider Show where it's all about the W. What a set of game ones for the WNBA semifinals, double overtime and a two possession game. We are honored to welcome legendary former WNBA head coach Pokey Chapman to discuss these semifinal matchups. like our show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash winsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over on winsider.com that's winsider.com and remember downloading the episode makes our stats look better and allows us to continue doing this important work want to sponsor an episode of the winsider show email us at info at winsider.com Please join me in welcoming to the show a legend of basketball and the most winning head coach in Chicago Sky history, Pokey Chapman. I speak for myself and Rachel when I say we always just are so honored to have you on the show, Coach. It's so much fun to dive into the X's and O's, and honestly, it's just fun chatting with you about the W. So let's dive into it. Let's start off with the Chicago Sky versus the Connecticut Sun. Chicago Sky, a team you know very well, not only are you the most winning coach in Sky history, you are the only coach until this point to bring the sky to this place in the postseason. Heck, you brought them to the finals. Let's get into it. Chicago Sky versus Connecticut Sun. Reactions to game one in an impeccable game. Uh, I, I lost all of my nails biting them off. Um, and that was before overtime. So how are you doing? What are, you, what are your thoughts? Listen, I'm thinking to myself, man, it's nice being a fan in this moment. Right? <laughs> no, just, just to truly appreciate every aspect of it uh, because if you're with, you know, sometimes you're looking at it through a different lens, but I also selfishly thought about how many eyes were watching women's basketball that it would attract from different sports, uh, different areas. And it was exciting. And I think uh, it garnered more attention than everyone expected. And on top of that, you know, the players that are involved and you're happy for their success. Well, and, and it, it, I mean, we have to talk about Courtney Vandersloot. And fun fact, for those of you, again, we were talking before we started recording, I was in the stands back when you, all-time winningest coach in Chicago Sky history. Let's not forget all the big moves you made back in that period of time. And it's awesome to kind of just talk Sky basketball. But in particular, we can't have this conversation without talking about the triple-double that Courtney Vandersloot had. I mean, she was she was all over the place, literally, all over the court and all over um, sp- sports news all over the world, which is phenomenal. But I mean, what can you say about Courtney Vanderslip? She was your very first draft pick with Sky. Um, she's been in this situation before, seven years ago, where, you know, that was the last time Chicago was in the semifinals. But what can you say just about the, the, the play of Vanderslip in general, in my opinion, was just un- unbelievable? Yes. And I know I, I have to be quiet when I speak of Sloop because everyone knows the history. But I promise, uh, as biased as one can be, it's not really about that. I think it's because I had an up-close and personal peek into her progress and how far she came and what all it took. And on top of that, it's the manner in which she reaches this level. I think she has the knack for when the court shrinks, her vision becomes clearer and she becomes more poised. Most people panic in the paint. 
And I think that's something, you know, I could lie and say I taught her that, but I didn't. <laughs> it's that <laughs> special part of her. Yeah. And she literally controlled that game from from tip to, to the buzzer. And it was just nice seeing her on a stage. And I think the best thing was her reaction when she realized the elite company she was in with. Uh, and I think she got teary-eyed. And that in and of itself makes Sloot who she is because she's so damn humble. She is so humble. And the impressive thing to me, though, is the way she commands the court. Because often we think of leaders as being those loud, vocal people. But she's just so calm and collective, like you were saying. You know, going into this series, it was very much dubbed a offensive powerhouse versus a defensive powerhouse. And, you know, I'm not going to throw Rachel under the bus here, but she did say defense <laughs> wins that battle. You know, wh what were your kind of thoughts before the game started? Um, kind of in important things for this game. And how do you think that played out? You know, I think if you asked most people, they wouldn't realize how good of a defensive team that Connecticut was all year long, you know, per the numbers and rankings. And I think that's uh, harder to maintain when you sit for nine days uh, as opposed to offense. I mean, we can, you know, fall asleep and, and know our offensive schemes and uh, it's that synergy and that connectivity defensively. Okay. Now that's not why Chicago, you know, Chicago came out and they did Chicago. And in that first quarter, they set the tone and it was a punch in the gut there was a response, but the comfort was there from the tip. And I think that's why you saw uh, the kind of back and forth. Uh, I kind of felt like Chicago controlled the temple the entire time. Yeah. And I, I want to know, like, just, you know, we talked a little bit about this, Ari and I did, like, that That double buy is, is, is coveted from a rest standpoint. But from your perspective, like, Chicago had just played two days before. They kind of had their legs underneath them a little bit. Is this more than just this is a Connecticut team that has not played a game in nine days? No, I just think it's one piece of the puzzle, yeah. one part of the equation. Uh, because they're professionals, uh, I think they grind so hard. Certain teams earn that rest. They need it. I think it just plays into other areas. So it's not the only thing. Uh, so if, if you're going to be a little bit slow uh, defensively, then you better damn sure kick, click offensively, you know, go to yeah. and through your studs, you know, make sure DB. So all those other things kind of neutralize that. So yeah. uh, it's not to, you know, pick it apart. I think it's just one small aspect of it. And that's, uh, you know, I, I don't like to take anything away from, Chicago. They came in, they did their work, and they were in rhythm and they were in flow. Mm -hmm. So I think it was just one aspect of it. Yeah, I like that. Chicago was was themselves, and yes. um, I think what I think is interesting. I was listening to Kurt Miller talk uh, before before game one, and he said, you know, this we are twenty four and three in the last two years when we have twelve turnovers and or less. Um, finished the game last night with 12. So now they're 24 and four. And, and we, the turnover number, in my opinion, has a huge say in, with both teams. And Chicago, I mean, it was, was still able to withstand 19 turnovers and Connecticut finished the game with just 12. Again, that's that coveted number for them. So, I mean, like I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm breaking down this, this box, <laughs> the box score, and I'm trying to figure out like, okay, like, like Connecticut pounded the ball inside to John Quell Jones and Brianna Jones, and then they they put up phenomenal numbers combining for for forty eight points together. Both of them finishing with a double double. You know, then you look at Chicago and and kind of that balanced scoring that they were able to have, and and kept the rebounding numbers 
equal, which is another huge stat. I mean, so I'm literally like, I'm going through the, the box score and I'm trying to figure out, okay, like where is the most glaring differential in this game? And honestly, like it comes down to Chicago made shots. And, and I mean, even Connecticut had, what is it? 13 more shot attempts, mm-hmm. possessions, whatever you want to call it, than the sky, but the, the sky shot close to 50%, Connecticut shot, you know, 38%. So, I mean, it, it, I, I think then that goes back to what you were saying, you know, Chicago came in and they were Chicago. They were able to control that rhythm from the start. They had their offensive flowing from the start. You know, they were able to just um, be in command of that game early on. I mean, that's what I saw. I'm just throwing my thoughts out there. Anyone no, else feel you're, free to jump you're, in? <laughs> no, you're right. And, and, you know, when you're in a league with 12 teams, you, you, you go to those coveted stats that you can pull from. And that's, that's a key point, not the only point, but it's something that you have in the back of your mind. And then sometimes it comes down to rhythm and flow and uh, the, the total scoring of, of, of Jones and John Quell and, and Brianna. It looks great, but it was uh, the flow in which they came. I kind of felt like, where's DB, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it felt like they were scoring, but they didn't have that flow uh, in terms of movement, getting to the yeah. third side, inside out, double team. So the the numbers came. It didn't come in a way that I had been used to seeing Connecticut. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've been enjoying it as a fan more than a coach. Uh, I've been trying to. I mean, sometimes you – it's because it's fun, you know, to, to, sure, to yeah. watch some of these great people, you know, coaches maneuver. Uh, yeah. So I just felt like I, – I never felt like Connecticut looked comfortable offensively. And I want to give Chicago credit with that as well. Uh, and so it kind of felt like they were still trying to get there, you know, get gain that momentum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really felt like Chicago. I mean, we've all said this. Chicago dictated the pace on both ends of the ball, something that we're so used to seeing from Connecticut this season. I'm curious for you kind of what are going to be the keys. Something that shocked me as Rachel was listing off some of those box scores was the rebounding and how equal it was. Because when I look at the Chicago team, I don't think, you know, elite rebounding. And I don't mean that in like a super negative way. But when I think about, you know, the front court of the Connecticut Sun, that's one of the major things I think about. That's got to be a huge accomplishment for the sky in my mind. But just kind of, you know, Rachel and I were talking about this before we got on here. You know, it almost feels like Connecticut historically, when they get to this point in the playoffs, the backcourt struggles offensively. So I'm just curious for you kind of what we need. I know I threw like a billion things out there, but like what does Connecticut need to do differently moving forward in this series? Well, you know, um, it, it, I, I like the numbers and, and we do that. You, 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 take, you break it down to individual players. I think, you know, Chicago may not be deemed elite rebounding team, but they have a couple of guards, perimeter players that can be elite offensive rebounders that gives them extra possessions that helps them when they're shooting 50 plus percent. You know, you think about if diamond flies in from the three point line, she's going because she's probably going to get it. You look Mm -hmm. at copper. So that is there. Uh, Sometimes, you know, you have players on other teams that may not even attempt to go because they're thinking if I go, I sure as hell can get my ass back. Right. So sometimes it's not just the, the front court it's the ability of those backcourt players that can track the ball, chase it down, give them an extra possession hit alley four, kick out three, right? Is that thing. I think it's a matter of uh, Connecticut impose your will. You rose to the occasion with JJ, without her. Now it's time to shine. And it's more about what you have done 
and Chicago's going to do the same. And then I think when it gets down to it, let's think about this. Despite all that, they still had a chance to win it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. with right. the timeout and the play call. Look, look with the timeout and, and, and the play call, so you're still controlling that. Uh, with the defensive stop, plus an ability for a throwout or another timeout. So mm-hmm. all those things, and you still had a chance. So I think, look, let's focus on why we're number one, why we're home, give a credit to the opponent, and let's have our pluses go against theirs and see where the chips fall. I'm going to put you on the hot seat to pick a key player for each team for the rest of the series and then pick a winner for game two. Key player for the series? For the rest of the series. who who are If, if I'm a fan watching, who should I pay attention to uh, as kind of a, a sign of success or lack thereof for either team? Outside of the obvious? <laughs> Yeah, I know. You can go obvious if you want. You know, to- you're totally up to you. The MVP. No, no. And, and look, I'm saying this based on the totality of things. Uh, I think Candace Parker has to be Candace Parker. Mm-hmm. Okay, throughout. Um, and I'm saying that based on when she missed the time of year and what she can bring, even if she's not scoring 20 points. She can rebound, protect the paint, get them in a defensive scheme, whether they're hedging, switching, icing, whatever. And she can distribute when Sloop doesn't drop 18 dimes, right? And so so that's why I wanted to qualify that. I didn't want to say, oh, well, no joke, Pokey, Candace Walker, right? But it's mm-hmm. that now. I think someone that can, you know, diamond the shields, uh, if there's a level of consistency throughout, I think she can affect a lot of areas of the game, Yeah. right? She can stretch the floor. She can blow by. She can rebound. She can defend. Um, I, I think those two, I, you know what you're going to get um, from Allie, from Sloot. Copper on her worst night is damn good, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Ezra doesn't get enough credit. I it's think, really you know, those, those can struggle, but she stretches the floor. So it's those. So that's why I'm, I'm saying those two. That's not to put pressure on them. It's I just you want to qualify that. Um on the other side of the ball, uh, I, I think from that, uh, you know, outside of the big three or four for, for Connecticut, I think between January and, and, and Jazz and hot, there needs to be a consistency there when they're running half-court offense. There can't be a hesitancy. It can't be five on four, right? Um, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like they're, they're, they're spacing, they're getting kicked out too, but your feet aren't set because that favors the defense. I think there needs to be some consistency at their point guard spot. Uh, Bree can't just be a defensive stopper with Allie. You know, she has to run the floor, run the team, use her experience. So I think I'm going to focus on those three players uh, helping uh, their bigs get into their rhythm while controlling what they need to control on the offensive end as well. Uh, Prediction on the winner, it has to be a bounce back for Connecticut. Yeah, You know, I, I think that from a momentum standpoint, from an adjustment standpoint, from backs against the wall, uh, it might be quadruple overtime because Chicago's not doing <laughs> it at all. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like right. they're not. Uh, yeah. but, but, but here's the key thing. Pressure's on Connecticut, and that's going to favor Chicago. But I, I think Connecticut's going to pull this one off. It's going to be close. I got to agree. And it sounds like Rachel agrees also. I, yeah, I, if, if Chicago can pull off a victory in this one, that is going to be a very, very interesting and tough game. You've got to be able to split at home. You've got to be able to see a one while you're at home. Yeah. And look, we're, we're saying that because we're playing the off, but you know, the potency of Chicago, mm-hmm. right? So it's very possible. Like this is not a given, 
and, and that and uh and and, and maybe a, a lot of people including myself i wouldn't be surprised but i'm just going to lean towards connecticut home team they're playing for yep. it all that stuff let's move on to the other semifinals game phoenix mercury really stride for stride until the very end with las vegas aces what was your reaction to game one did it go as you thought <laughs> That damn Sandy boy, she will find a way. Uh, I love it. I love. Listen, listen. You know, I, I, I it, it, it's interesting listening to all the coaches out there, right? <laughs> you know, uh, when when they lose two or three games, you know, uh, everyone what what they should do. But I'll start with with Sandy and you know her managing to get her team where they are. Uh, and this is no particular order, but what cannot be, you know stated enough is Brittany Griner from the day she departed the bubble to coming back and continuing to gain momentum through the Olympics. And then at the Olympics, I was like, holy crap, I don't want to play her. Right. And she has maintained that. Right. I mean, her footwork, she's attempting threes, the fadeaway, you know, she seemed like she's having fun. And, and I, it just has to be because I think sometimes the big girls, Sylvia included, but, you know, I'm biased there. You, you just come to expect that of them and they don't get their credit. Right. Her passing, mm -hmm. reading where it's coming from, you know, letting the guard dive. I mean, the post dive and then kicking it opposite, all of that. And then also Skylar Diggins. You know, it's so easy for us to criticize everything. Right. But the trust that Sandy D and BG and that staff had to put the ball in Skylar's hand at pivotal times prior to this Vegas game, you know, that doesn't mean you're going to take the shot. It means you're going to create an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that's trust that had to be really solid because she's not like she's been there for several years, right. you know? And yeah, so that being said, they lost by six to Vegas. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Kudos to them. Uh, and these playing, you know, on crutches. Uh, and, Still and, and finishing with actually finishing with 20 yeah yeah it's crazy it, it, it's crazy I, I, um i just i have to bring up i mean you know like you said she's literally at maybe 60 percent tops and mm -hmm. she finishes six for 17 that's not that's not not that's not not the worst thing in the world but she's getting those shots she finishes with 20 points i mean the thing with Phoenix, and I, I was kind of talking about this last night, it's like, you know, you look at their five starters, everybody finishes in double figures. Griner, you know, everyone knows where the ball is going. She finishes 10 for 16, shooting 63% from the field. I mean, gets to the free throw line just four times with the, the world hanging on her. Um, you know, you look at Phoenix, and like you said, Sandy just finding a way and, and how Skylar Diggins-Smith has played this year, the implementation and, and the comfort of, of them all playing together. I just – I just – I don't like, like Phoenix looked good to me last night. It's just Las Vegas has so many weapons and like, where do you pick your poison? Because like with Phoenix, it's a, it's a depth thing for me. You know, like, like yes. you've got the, you've got, you've got the five starters doing what they do, but like from there, where is it? Well, then on the flip side, Las Vegas, you've got, you know, Kelsey Plum and I mean, everyone, all, I, I, I say Raquana Williams, I mean, she started, but they're combining for, you know, 51 points, which is just insane to me. So like, where do you pick your poison? You stop Asia Wilson? Do you, do you stop Cam Beige? Do you stop the perimeter scoring? It's just Las Vegas is that good. And they showed their potency last night, in my opinion. 
Look, I don't know if I could add anything to that. I started with, with <laughs> Phoenix. Listen, I started with Phoenix because I I really believe that's that's great. But when you go to Vegas, and oftentimes when you have talented pieces or unique pieces, uh, there's not enough credit given to bringing those pieces together synergistically. Yeah. You know, it's like how do you make it work? Uh, moving people around. Where do you start? Uh, I, I'm a point guard. I look at Chelsea Gray. She's also that scoring point guard, right? So then she's a threat. And don't let her get in her bag, right? Liz is always going to be in her bag. I mean, an off night for Asia is a great night for someone else, right? Uh, Bebe is not just chucking. She's seeing she can blow by people, right? Uh, And and Kelsey Plum, listen, man, I'm so happy for that kid. I never coached her. I don't know her that well. But I remember when she first came out and People were, you know, you know how they do. They think you're supposed to do what you did in college. And they were hard on her. And she was never truly appreciated. Then the injury. But the way she has come back, hell, I was cheering for, you know, uh, all season. Yeah. 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 And, you know, look, I I, I hadn't even gotten through all the Vegas players. (laughs) However, (laughs) uh, that's a credit to, to, you know, Phoenix. But Vegas is just tough. The inside out you know, the spacing, the, the defensively, you know, they can get after you. K-Mac, you know, I was thinking about when someone was talking about K-Mac not being there at the beginning of the year. I don't know if you remember this. They're talking about, well, they're going to miss spacing. Bill doesn't shoot threes. I don't know if you guys remember. They're talking about, well, you know, K-Mac is not going to be there. She would space the floor. They don't shoot a lot of threes. Well, hell, they've replaced that. And they've shown that they still don't need mm-hmm. that to be successful. I'm telling you, I remember people calling and asking me, you know, like, well, no, 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 no. I was just going to echo. I was actually talking with Debbie Antonelli recently on that piece that I had written with actually both of you. And she was like, that's actually not true. That's not the case anymore. Actually, Phoenix, or I'm sorry, Las Vegas is second in the league in, in three point shooting percentage. And it's actually increased their production from yeah, that narrative that was a few years ago. So I think to, to just kind of capitalize on what you're talking about with like, right. K-Mac is gone now. And that that whole narrative of like Vegas is not a three point threat is just not true. Well, I will say because I love to disagree with Rachel that I'm going to side with Pokey on this one be- only because yes, percentage wise, but the amount that they're shooting them is still like bottom three in the league. Sure, so sure, sure. okay, okay. Th- what they did in my opinion was they replaced right. KMac with like three other, well, not three other, but Chelsea Gray and Bebe, and now Plum's yes. hitting them, and it's like. For me, the scariest part about the Aces is if what we saw last night. If you survive with them until the last moments of the game, Asia Wilson, Chelsea Gray, and a plethora of other great shooters, and I didn't even mention Liz Cambage, can take the last shot. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> yep. It's I like agree. a team of Tarasis. Right. I, I, I agree. No, I, I agree. And, and and I bring that point up is because when the team is really talented – I think you're trying to find mm-hmm. holes to poke, right? So oh, let's poke that hole. Sure, Bill doesn't yeah, like yeah, to shoot yeah. threes. Or one year it was the lead guard versus the point guard. You know, it's here's the deal. They're good. I mean, they're so good. I mean, I'm, okay, and it's going to take it's there. It's it's hard to find holes yeah. with them. Like you said, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. Yeah, because it, it's unique. It's different from you know. It's so unique uh, as it relates to the other three, and I think that's what makes it exciting. You know, uh, whose style of play will be on display and take them, you know, to the confetti. 
it it it's wild. So let's talk about key players. Like for me, I'm looking at the Mercury and I'm thinking it's going to come down. I maybe saying Skylar because look, last night Skylar was very impactful, and I always want to give credit to players when your shot's not falling. Yeah, she shot four for nine, so it wasn't that bad, but one for four from three. And I kind of want just more points than 10 from her. Maybe that's like a simplistic approach. Uh, But what Rachel and I were talking about earlier was just, you know, you look at this and you're like, man, if one or two more of those shots go in, this is a very Mm -hmm. different outcome. Like we might be talking about both finals going to double overtime, right? If Skylar hits a couple more shots, if Diana Taurasi goes four for 14 from three point range, she essentially shot half the team's three pointers and essentially made half the team's three pointers. Like, I have to expect Mm -hmm. somebody else is going to step up. And Shea Petty, a player who has been around for a very long time, is an amazing story. They called her playoff P because last year she hit that crazy uh, game winner. This season, her playoff performance has been nowhere. And I have to expect that she can be that person to hit one or two more threes to give this team a chance to really compete against the Aces. Am Am I crazy? It's not crazy. You know, I drafted Shea Petty way back in the day when she was a baby. So, you know, like I said, I've been a fan. I'm enjoying these kids, these young ladies growing up. Uh, I don't think it's too much to ask of Shea Petty when she's that fourth option, maybe, right? Mm -hmm. When they've double teamed and they're scrambling and she has her feet set. It's a lot to ask of anyone, let alone, you know, a player that's young in this environment to do that. So I think it's one of those things where when she's opening her feet or set, she needs to hit it. The margin of error yep. is uh, really small. Uh, I, I agree with, 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 you know, Skyler in terms of, you know, she, she's not a 10 point person. She needs to average more because it fills the hole for when Diana's not out there and, and everyone else uh, in that regard. So I, I think you nailed it there. Um and, and, and like I said, no margin for error. I, I think a player with Phoenix that does not get any credit, man, I almost posted something uh, with Turner, you know, mm-hmm. in that, that game with Seattle. Just her ability. Look, it's not the sexy side of the ball. I get it. But her ability to defend uh, players that she's given up 25, 30 pounds to, her ability to come over and help and alter. Of course, we remember the block shots, but alter a shot. And then her offensive rebounding, even if she just tips it to keep it alive or the tip in, they need all of that because, you know, the the, yeah. the, the, the task is so tall. So uh, I think Phoenix needs everyone to be yeah. hitting on all cylinders. Question real quick. I need to ask. You are an elite basketball mm-hmm. mind and you know the history of the W much better than Rachel and I. There's a player that comes to mind when I see Turner play, and I'm curious if there's a WNBA player that comes to mind for you when you see Turner play. Does she does she remind you of anyone? Oh, wow. Because the one I'm thinking of is a very high praise, but maybe I'm going a little out of pocket on it. I'm thinking think? of Rebecca Brunson, a player who who did all the hustle plays, played great defense, was there to make a rebound or a putback when you needed it, and didn't get the praise but was so key on the success of a team. No, I, I think from that standpoint, uh, in terms of praise and appreciation, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I know her, her 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 teammates did, but she also had a little more range. I marvel at, I can't remember seeing Turner take a jump shot mm-hmm. outside of 12 feet. That's a good point. <laughs> and she's still in, impact, and she, but, but she's still impactful. Uh, and then, you know, her ability in the half court for a lob or a back screen and a slip and finishing around the basket. But uh, from the appreciation standpoint and a glue standpoint and dirty work 
standpoint, I get that. Uh, I, I can't think of anyone right off the bat, but I just, I enjoy watching her, watching her maneuver uh, and be impactful. Love it. Um, I, let's, let's jump into just kind of some predictions and thoughts. I mean, like you said, I love the um, margin for error, like especially against this Las Vegas Aces team. I picked Vegas to win in four. I do think that Phoenix will steal a win in here at some point, and that very well could be Thursday night, um, tomorrow, today, depending on whenever you're listening to this. Um, but I do think, yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. It, it, it's going to take an entire army and a really great performance. And honestly, I think they played really well the other night. I mean, on, on, and I mean, th- this is important to be noted. I mean, 14 total turnovers between both teams. I mean, Phoenix only turned the ball over six times, which was phenomenal. And I mean, they shot the ball well. They they did what they needed to do. I just think it wasn't quite enough, you know, what either side of the ball. So I think, you know, from my and I'll ask you next coach, I think I'm going to I'm going to say that Phoenix Still has enough gas in the tank. They're not going to be too tired quite yet. They're going to have that extra umph. Who knows? Maybe Sophie Cunningham will drop another 30-piece. Who knows? Uh, but I, I think that Phoenix will steal one on Thursday. Um, maybe maybe catch Vegas on an off-shooting night. What, what's your prediction? It's tough. Wow. I know you hate I, it. I the predictions. <laughs> um, no, no, I, don't, I actually don't hate it. Uh, I, I don't hate it. I'm just not really good at it because I, I don't factor in a lot of the things that you guys see. <laughs> And, and factor factor into it. I, I, no, but that's I'm being I'm, I'm telling on myself. I'm being honest. Um, I think it's one of those things where uh, Vegas may feel like they didn't play well as a unit and their key players, and they may mm-hmm. think that margin wasn't big enough, mm-hmm. right? And like they may that. refocus on yeah. some things. Don't want to give them confidence uh, in that regard. So I, I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone with Diane on the team is going to make it tough. I, I get that, but she's not 100%. I think Vegas will take the next one. So I am, and I know this is like a ridiculously hot take, like, and probably is going to smack me in the face, but I actually picked the Mercury to win this series. And, uh, and I knew, and I know, I know. I, the, the contrarian in me was like, I have to do it. I have to do it. But I completely I like hearing you, coach, talk about the aces re-centering and looking at and I could very well I expect a giant game from Asia Wilson uh in this coming matchup. But yeah, I just feel like the Mercury can kind of hang their hat. And we haven't really spoken about the fact that, you know, for Chicago and the Mercury, both teams, they played three games in six nights. And that means that there was there was two at least two travel days in those six days. Now at least because it's a second home game for the opposing team, you're not traveling on that rest day. So I think Diana's going to feel better. The Mercury are going to come out and win in a, a nice fashion to the point where the starters are pulled by Las Vegas uh, midway through the fourth. Call me, call me crazy and just It'll hoping uh, that my hot take lasts. No, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to call you crazy. If Listen, listen, for this, this reason, I said what I said, but I also had the pleasure – of coaching Diana Taurasi, right? So I, I know what that assassin and all that. But from a fan uh, standpoint, right. I hope it goes five games. And mm-hmm. however we get there, yeah. it's fine with me. And it's a, it's more storylines. It's everything else. So I love your prediction, and, and I would be okay with that as well. Well, I appreciate that. Before we let you go, Coach, I just want to touch on something. I'm sure you heard the news uh, that your former player, Sylvia Fowles, won her fourth Defensive Player of the Year award. 
uh, one of the greatest bigs of all time, one of the greatest WNBA players of all time. Any thoughts on that? Did you think, you know, after her first couple ones that she'd be winning it this late in her career? Listen, I'm so excited. I think Sylvia makes people forget that she's 35 right. years old, right? Right. Uh, she started taking care of her body years ago when she decided to go to China and not stay in Europe. That began a pattern of having more treads on her tire, right? But she's also, uh, she has the power, she has the speed, and she has the quickness. I don't know another player that has all of those. And yes, defensively, I'm so excited because she can get out there and switch off on a guard. She can track a guard to the rim. She can alter, she can block. You know, uh, she can make people change their mind about going in there. So to see her get this recognition again, uh, I, I don't know. I feel like a proud mom. I'm so happy for her. And and no, because, look, she's special. And, and because she doesn't have this, you know, big personality where she's trying to, mm-hmm. I don't know, just, she's just being silly. I think sometimes she's not appreciated enough. And that's what I normally can't say. They're like, yeah, Pokey, you coached her. Well, damn, I did. So listen <laughs> yes. to what I'm saying. The girl is it's 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 that like uh, like Minnesota shouldn't be campaigning for her. Watch the damn game. She's a stud. She's quick. She's beating double teams before they get there. <laughs> like that, that. There's a reason why they can't double because she buried the person so deep in the paint, mm-hmm. right? So I'm excited for Sill, um, and I hope she has a few more years left in her tank. Me too. And I like I've watched highlights of her from LSU days. And wa- and then you see you almost forget how fast and nimble she is. And I think there was someone recently we were talking about how all the voting went down for the defensive player of the year award. And there someone was debating me about it on social media because, you know, as we've talked about, everyone's a coach behind the keyboard. And somebody <laughs> was like, well, or, she can't get out and cover a guard when she gets pulled out on a switch. And I'm like, have you watched this season? She gets low, and honestly, I can't run straight as fast as she moves from side to side covering covering a guard. It's ridiculous. It is, and you know, and and listen, you guys know because you watch the game, you understand the game. It's it's not just covering them in a one on one situation. It's about that guard's going to see the switch. They're going to want to attack the big's legs. It's about keeping an angle to track them to the rim. And alter a shot. So you just have a guard who was normally shooting over another guard. They happen to shoot over a six six who stayed close enough to alter. And that's what we appreciate. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're thinking they're supposed to stop them one on one in isolation. Hell, guards can't do that. <laughs> so let's be real. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited for Seal. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. I would have been pissed if she didn't get it. <laughs> I, uh, I, I. We can't thank you enough, and I can't agree with you anymore. From the center in me, I am one of the biggest Sylvia Fowles endorsers on the planet, and my God, we are just so fortunate to witness her greatness uh, year in and year out. Shout out to Sylvia Fowles, you are um, amazing, Coach. Thank you so much for joining us and and, and talking hoops. Uh, you are more than welcome to come on anytime. These semis, as we get into the finals, we love hearing your analysis and everybody make sure you're tuning in tomorrow or today, Thursday night. We've got the Chicago sky at the Connecticut sun for game two, 8 PM Eastern time, followed by Phoenix Mercury at the Las Vegas aces at 10 PM Eastern time game two. We're going to have a lot of storylines following up coach. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, listen, my pleasure. You guys keep doing what you do. This game deserves it. I appreciate you. We appreciate you, Coach. Thank you.